Welcome to the Less Doing Podcast, where you will learn how to start living more by doing less. Let me help you optimize, automate, and outsource your entire life so you can focus on doing the things you love. Now here's your host, Ari Mizell. So I've been waiting for this conversation for a long time because we're going to talk about Voxer. And Voxer is not only the tool that I actually use the most often on my computer, or not my computer, on my, on my phone, and the new screen time built-in functionality of the iOS system is telling me that, but it's single-handedly really changed the way that I operate my business. So again, super pumped. And I've got Andy Kelly here to talk about it with me. So, hey, Andy. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you get involved in uh, it's technically still Rebelbox is the company, right? It actually is Voxer. It started off as um, it's had a couple of name changes. It, it was Rebelbox for a while, and the product itself became known as Voxer. And then we decided, of course, for sort of cleanliness in the uh, in the ecosystem, just to rebrand the entire company uh, as Voxer. So it's been Voxer probably now for six or so years. And how long have you been involved? So I, it actually started in my living room uh, back in 2007. Um, Tom Cadis, who's the founder of Voxer, um, had moved out to San Francisco, was staying with me, and, and effectively started the company with uh, his three co-founders uh, then. And then I joined about a year later to really start up the, the business function, so worked uh, they're doing a lot of the, um, you know, running the finance, uh, HR, IT, real estate, um, a lot of the business development as well. So I'd say the split for me was between business development and um, sort of uh, operations in the background. Okay. And then maybe you can help me here because I always have a little, a little bit of trouble explaining what Voxer is until I tell people like, oh, you know what, what, you know about WhatsApp and most people are like, oh yeah, I know WhatsApp. I'm like, okay, well it's like that, but it's way better because of this, this and this. But so how do you describe it to people who don't know what it is? I'll go back to the original premise uh, and then I'll give you, I guess, sort of the way I describe it uh, as we, as we got to it. The original idea uh, Tom came up with, um, he, Tom, so Tom's a friend from, from college. Uh, he had, uh, been in the uh, army, the U.S. Army, as a uh, special forces, a Green Beret sergeant, right before college. So, sort of a non-traditional. Went through high school, went into the army, uh, then came out, uh, went to college where I met him, and then he worked on Wall Street for several years, and then in the late '90s came out to San Francisco for the dot-com boom, uh, and then bust. And uh, after 9/11, he was. Um, he basically felt I have to go back on active duty and, and do what I can to help. So he rejoined his old special forces team and was over in Afghanistan in 02 and 03. And his specialty first time around, and again, when he came back was comms. So he was the radio guy for his unit. And he would, um, you know, I think for him, he, he did his tour, but there was something sort of always in the back of his mind about, you know, why is it that over the intervening decade, you know, radios have gotten smaller, batteries have gotten better, networks are stronger, but I still have this incredibly inefficient way of communicating, which would be you're on a channel talking to whoever is on that frequency with you. 
But if someone's on another frequency trying to reach you, they can't until you literally, and in the case of a radio that Tom would use, you know, flip from channel one to channel two. And so he said, you know, with all of this sort of this technological power and, and the, you know, his team uh, and the other sort of uh, special forces units, you know, had the best material and the best equipment in the world, he's like, it's still incredibly inefficient. And so when he came back uh, and, and came off of active duty, he actually started a different company, totally unrelated uh, from a sort of a software technology perspective, got that up and running, and then came back to this idea probably in 06, started thinking about it again, sort of, you know, with software, could you do voice communication in a much more flexible and efficient manner? And so that was the genesis. So that's where, you know, Tom and the co-founders are in my living room working away. uh, And then um, eventually we we set up shop down in South America to San Francisco and I joined. And the idea was, is can we make, um, you know, with this, this brand new at the time iPhone, um, can we make a, um, an application that allows for this great flexibility to be brought to smart devices? And, and what was fascinating at the time was we launched, technically the company started with, I guess, the, we knew of the announcement of the iPhone, but it actually hadn't been released yet. And we were definitely ahead of the app store. So I spent quite a bit of time early on talking with uh, the, the telco carriers to try to get them to understand what we were doing and see if we could get uh, Voxer or at the time Rebel Vox, you know, loaded onto devices and, and you know, included in sort of the stack that uh, a carrier might provide to a wireless subscriber, which is tough sledding uh, and hard to do. And so you know, what really helped us was having the app store come out. And even then at the beginning, it wasn't clear it was going to help us because they had a prohibition on VoIP kind of apps. So I'll give you a lot more detail if you'd like, but, you know, to answer your question was what we tried to build and what we built with Voxer was a much more lightweight, um, flexible way to manage voice communication. Our, like our longstanding premise uh, has been that, um, that voice is the most effective way of communicating. And when you think about, you know, the movement to text-based communication, probably here in the States from the mid aughts forward, you know, that's fine for very short form uh, communication. Um, Twitter obviously capitalized on that kind of short form communication. But, you know, when you want to convey richness or something you know, greater than, a, you know, 140 characters, typing something onto a very small form factor becomes pretty inefficient. And so what Voxer is, is, you know, was, is, is taking um, that ease of use that everyone sort of recognizes from a walkie-talkie, you know, whether that's a military one, uh, a Nextel kind of device, or even the kinds of things you might have out on the ski slopes, and bringing that to a smartphone. So, you know, the ability to select a, a person you'd like to talk to or a group of people, press a button, say what you need to say. And if they're there, they can listen live and respond immediately. If they're not, they'll get a notification and they respond when they can. So sort of putting the, the, um, the, the mode of communication and the ease of use back in the user's hands and giving them sort of the ability to, to pick and choose, you know, when and how they communicate. So Voxer incorporates text, of course, and photos and video and, and other media. But the original idea and, and sort of the, the, the reason people really use it is, is the voice. 
Okay. Awesome. So that's, that's really good background and gives me like the six questions that I want to ask. So uh, the first one is just from the military standpoint, I'm just kind of curious. The internet couldn't, well, the data coverage couldn't have been that good there, obviously, right? Like other than what the military brought with them. So I, I realize you know, this is obviously for uh, consumer use, but at the same time, it almost feels weird to me at the time to think like that the internet would be a better, like a better way of communicating this information than what you were currently using for, you know, for Tom, of course, over in um, Afghanistan on the radios, they'd have satellite communication. Um, you know, you would have had, of course, no internet uh, to, to use unless you brought some form of network with you on a Humvee. I mean, that would be at Tom and his team, though, we're doing a lot of long range patrols, you know, up in the passes in Afghanistan. And so you were doing, you were relying on SATCOM for that. You know, what I think the, you know, the, the interesting interim business he built actually ended up building out uh, a lot of networks and, and sort of true like internet networks across bases in hostile areas uh, that we control, the U.S. government controlled. And I think that's where Tom started to see sort of the power of using the internet for communications, a little bit more of a traditional VoIP kind of, um, you know, communication. And then as you roll forward to sort of 2006 and 2007 and the announcement of the iPhone, sort of for Tom, I think it was bringing together, you know, a recognition of where uh, technology was going, the power of voice, the sort of frustration of some of the inefficiency. And, uh, and I think it really converged and, you know, we obviously benefited from having uh, smart devices um, appear and allow us to take advantage of that. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that we've always felt was that, you know, people don't like uh, voicemail, right? Because it's an inefficient way to leave messages. You know, you, you miss a call and you've got to wait for the voicemail to finally roll through and, that's just the way that, you know, the, the telephony architecture is uh, set up. And so if you really want to have a sort of a rapid fire, you know, exchange of information, the, the walkie talkie is a much better way to do it. The one trick with walkie talkies is if someone's not on the right channel or out of range, they miss those messages. So you have to keep either repeating yourself or they don't ever hear it. And so the beauty of what we built at Voxer was a platform that did sort of all of the above, right? You, If I were to send you a Vox, um, you know, at 9 a.m. West Coast time and you are on a flight at the same time, it's fine. I will say what I need to tell you. And when you land and turn back on your device, the message will just show up then. I mean, effectively, it's waiting in the network till it sees you come back online and then it's delivered immediate to you, immediately to you. So you might not hear it for three hours because you're flying, but that's fine. I know that I've gotten the message across and that when you land, you'll get it. And then you might respond immediately and I may actually be like ready, you know, ready and waiting and, and paying attention and be able to get then into a very sort of synchronous conversation with you. But the beauty of it is, is it it's, doesn't require me to keep trying uh, and you won't miss anything on your end. Well, and so something, I mean, it's such a simple feature in some ways, but I guess technologically it's not that simple and a lot of them don't have it, right? So like you look at, I can record a message on Voxer whether or not I have signal, right? So you, you're talking about somebody not like being on a plane receiving it, but I, for me sending it, I can, and I've done this frequently, I can be in the basement of my building getting my bike out of storage and doing a Voxer with no signal down there. And as soon as I get up, it will send it. 
Whereas you look at a tool like Telegram, for example, which I, I can't stand, but I have to use it for one particular person. Uh, if I send a mess, if I send a message, and I have no signal, it will just have an error sending it. And it won't even notify me that it didn't send it unless I open the app up again and see that it didn't go through. So that alone is huge, right? Because right. that gets into a bigger conversation about asynchronous communication, which I, I want to have. But is was that like a was that a hard thing to do technologically? Um, yes, it was. I mean, you know, we developed quite a bit of intellectual property around these different concepts of, um, you know, as we called them internally, you know, the idea was store and forward, right? So that you would, you would be able to store the Vox. So let's say it's, it's a 30 second message that, that, uh, you start to leave for me while you're in the basement without network, we then designed it to store on your device locally. Uh, and then what it allowed you to do is come back to the ground floor and it goes out. Uh, you know, conversely, uh, if you're on the plane, we'll make sure it leaves my device, uh, but it's stored in the cloud. And then we'll wait for you. And so, yeah, you had to think about uh, all of the different ways in which people's attention uh, could be, um, you know, on or off the way networks could be on or off and then build a system that, that allowed you eff effectively to forget and not care about any network connectivity at any point along the way, but know that the message would get there, you know, when the channels were sort of open from end to end. It's so valuable just in terms of the way that like the world works and like time zones and all sorts of things because, and not to like beat this to death, but I live in New York city and I have to sometimes plan my travel around calls I have in terms of what means I'm going to take. So I, ideally, I would take the subway everywhere, but sometimes I just it's, I can't because I have to do a phone call. But I love when I can get on the subway. I have like seven Voxer messages to listen to, and I can record every response to them while underground. Like it's 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 just amazing to me. Um, so the other thing that it can do, which I also believe is unique, is that you get pretty much live transmission. Right. So within two seconds of you starting to transmit, the person on the other end can start to receive it, which is most of these tools. You record a message and then it uploads it and then they have to download it and listen to it. And, you know, so that I imagine must have been particularly tricky. That was I mean, that's a, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, you know, what we what we aim to do was to deliver the message uh, with the lowest possible latency, right? So the lowest uh, lag time from the moment I press the record button to you. And so if you, if I'm on a good network and you're on a good network, it should be tens of milliseconds that the signal's getting to you. And then it's really a function of, you know, user attention, right? So you will get a pop, uh, you know, a push notification on iOS that says, you know, uh, Andy's voxing you. You swipe, you open, you come in, and what you've found is that I will be leaving a message, and you can see we obviously, you know, worked a lot on the on the user experience so that you could see that a message is actually being left at that moment, and so you can open it up, and and you know I've done it. I think it's been set this way for years now. Is that I'll play the message a little bit faster than it's being left. I mean, it's sort of like you know, plus one and a half. It's not double time, but, you know, it's faster than, than, than the person's leaving it. So what I find a lot is that I will end up, you know, listening to the person and, and maybe it's my wife leaving a message. And by the time she's finished with her 45, 50 second message, 
I'm effectively listening live. And as soon as she finishes speaking, I press the button and I'm responding. And of course, because she's in the app, you know, it, it is then tens of milliseconds. We're sort of back and forth. So that was a lot of hard work. And that is part of the secret sauce was that, you know, this it was intended to be a high performance, you know, voice communication platform, right? We know that other platforms out there do an asynchronous only messaging um, play, right? So you could look at something like Messenger, for instance, and say, sure, you could do, or WhatsApp, you know, you can leave a voice message. So I would, in that case, start to record a message for you. It's all staying on my device. And let's say I talk for 50 seconds, um, and the moment I'm done, I let go of the button and it packetizes that 50 second message for you. It sends it to you. You get a notification. You come right in if you're paying attention. You listen for 50 seconds. Then you want to respond with another 30 second message to me. It sits on your device, you know, sort of spooling, spooling while you're talking, waits for you to finish. So by the time it gets back to me, I've had effectively an 80 second gap where I don't know what you're doing, if you're planning to respond to me or or not, right? Because I can't tell. And I have to wait for that asynchronous sort of uh, interplay to occur. And so the beauty of Oxer is, is that you know that you're there and you know that as soon as I'm done, the other person, if it's if it's a question that I've asked, can immediately respond and you can go back and forth in, in real time and talk. And so that's the biggest difference between the voice that Voxer's built and all of the other apps. Um, all of them uh, either are asynchronous where you do kind of the WhatsApp or Facebook messenger style, or they're kind of a live next tell kind of thing where it just blares out. And if you aren't listening or paying attention, you miss it and it's gone forever. And so the, the delicate balance we spent a lot of time working on was how do you do both at the same time? Yeah. And, and so, and then the one other thing too, which is a great feature is the broadcast messaging. Um, so like I use that to, in my less doing leaders coaching program, which has several dozen people in it, I do a five or six message, five or six minute message every single day and they, they can't respond to it. Right. So what, where was the idea there too? Cause that, all of these things are completely unique to your app, or at least they were, I think some tools have tried to do some of it, but that one's a great one too. Yeah. You know, you think of, um, you know, how, because obviously part of what we believed early on at Voxer was that, you know, we were sort of, we were moving in a different direction in, let's call it 2010, 11, 12, 13 from some of the social media apps. So Facebook and Twitter which were about having thousands of friends um, that you would broadcast pictures of your kids or a tweet to. We felt that when you, when you think about voice communication, that most often you're doing that with a relatively small number of people. And you might have permutations of groups, but like you know, most of the time what you're doing is you're talking to a spouse, uh, to parents, to a couple of friends, to maybe some colleagues. And so we really thought of Vox originally as kind of a, a, an app that was really useful when you had smaller groups um, that knew each other and that would have an ongoing conversation. 
not just sort of one-off kinds of things. But we also recognize that there were some great use cases for Voxer where you do want the kind of thing you're talking about, um, or you know, even at a political level, let's say you're running a campaign and in a state you'd like to cascade messages down from a state, you know, director down to each district and all of to the, you know, the volunteers all the way down at the end. You don't necessarily want it to come all the way back up. Um, but it's a great way to then broadcast messages, you know, for people either that are, you know, have celebrity to them or that, um, you know, that's sort of a one way message. And so we obviously, we added that later. That was something we thought about sort of probably a couple of years into, you know, iterations on the product. But the original concept was, you know, it wasn't like you were going to necessarily have conversations with 750 Facebook friends. It was going to be more discreet groups uh, and, and, and a smaller number, but that was actually quite healthy. Yeah, and, and, which, and which is awesome. And then the last tactical question I have about the app, and then I have a different sort of angle here, is uh, about the encryption. So I, I was sitting at a, a birthday party at one of my kids' schools a few weeks or a few months ago, and one of the dads works for the UN, and we were just sort of talking, and he saw me using Voxer, and he's like, oh, he's like, that's, he's like I use Voxer to talk to my counterparts in, in Asia. And we started talking. And he's like, "Yeah, it's, he's like it's way more secure than anything that the UN can provide us," <laughs> which I thought was kind of amazing. But so, I mean, encryption is encryption. People understand what encryption is, but like, how is how is that unique when you're dealing with voice transmission over the internet? Yeah, that is. Um, it's it's funny because that is something that we hadn't done originally. It is technologically just more challenging to encrypt, uh, you know, a sort of conversations where you're working through the cloud, um, you know, through a network uh, down to the other end. But basically that was something that we worked on where that you would have end to end encryption, you know, built in to your messages. And so the actual act of encrypting the voice itself versus a text isn't that much more challenging, but but just adding it across the whole way, you know, takes some some effort. But you know, we felt was valuable and worth it. And we're not alone, of course. I mean, I think that's what makes uh, an app like Telegram so popular is that encryption um, that allows for you know um, protected conversations. And so we actually saw in the you know in the Arab Spring quite a bit of activity in countries that you wouldn't have thought we would all of a sudden show up in uh, a lot of use and that, you know, without knowing for sure, you know, we could make a good guess that the fact that people had found Voxer and were starting to use it and, and sort of feeling like that governments wouldn't have known that we were there yet allowed, uh, allowed them to use that as a communication tool, you know, for, for conversations they prefer the government not be listening to. So at that point, that wasn't even encrypted, uh, but just we were a lesser known way of communicating. And so it was pretty effective in some of those countries. Uh, and then, of course, you know, now you think of it, uh, you know, sort of totally differently, um, you know, in sort of our post NSA world where you are aware of how much uh, snooping is going on. Well, did you, uh, I mean, I know this is a, a relative question, but how good is the encryption? Um, that's, I guess, a little bit hard for me to answer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Definitely not an expert. I mean, I think it is, um, I guess it depends on who, who's trying to, to get in. I, I suppose if you were the NSA, I don't know that we would say that it's not something that's, uh, 
unbreakable. But I think, um, you know, from a general perspective, it seems like it's, you know, we, we use, I suspect, a pretty standard protocol to encrypt those, you know, those communications, um, both, you know, when they're sent over the wire and then when they're stored as well. So I would say it's probably, you know, generally a good, you know, I suspect it's a system that works well. I don't know that you could say it's 100%. Uh, I mean, nothing is really, really. It, it certainly wasn't our intention. I mean, when you look at something like Telegram, it wasn't our intention to say we're going to have a platform that no one can listen in on. That, that wasn't sort of the driving use case. But, you know, it's there is value in knowing that your communications are secure. Yes, that's, I think that's a very good way to put it. So then the, the sort of the, the one of the last sort of questions here, uh, not in a philosophical way, but I guess sort of a high level way is how do you see the 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 uh, infiltration, I guess, of asynchronous communication really changing the way that business and communication is done in general. And let me preface that by saying that, you know, there are so many things that people would never inherently thought that you could do asynchronously, such as uh, talking to a doctor or a therapist even, or doing a sales, you know, quote unquote, call. Like so many people have this, a lot of it's mindset, right? Like I got to be in the room with the person. I have to be on the phone with them. Like it's, it's got to be at the same time. And I think that's very limiting. So we just want your sort of high level treatment on that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, it's interesting. I think for many of those things, I'll, I'll maybe take out the doctor for a moment, but let's say for many of those things, the reason why we've historically felt like you have to be in the room with that person is that the alternative was was so bad right which was which was a telephone call right so a telephone call is by its nature intrusive right your phone rings so let's say you're in the middle of something important and your phone is ringing you have to react to it right you have to silence it or you have to you know maybe it's something where it's a slightly high slightly higher priority and you actually feel like you need to take it but then obviously there's another party that all of a sudden's like waiting um you know, it's the way telephony was built, you know, decades ago. It, it, it by its design uh, and probably sort of by the limitations of the of the technology at the time, it, it was something that was intrusive. So I think that the alternative was is that you had to then people are like, well, this is this is never going to work if I have to call and then you know the person has to call me back. So I'm going to come in and see him. And and maybe in this case, you know, the the physician is a great example, which is you would like to share something with your doctor. So you call and you get the reception. You have to tell them all your information, of course, because they don't ever have that. And then you've got to maybe tell them what you're calling about, but you're not really excited to do that. And you do anyway, and they're like, well, we'll see. We'll patch you through. Well, the doctor is busy, so the doctor's going to call you back. And then you, you know, are like, well, I don't know when that's going to be, so I'm going to go about doing what I was doing. And then he calls, and you miss that call, and then you're in this sort of endless, you know, phone tag with your doctor. So I got my doctor here in San Francisco on Voxer, and it was awesome because I literally could Vox him and say, you know, doctor, here's something that I'd like to ask you about. I don't need an answer now. Just like when you have a chance, let me know what you think. And, you know, what was great about it is that actually he responded relatively quickly, but he did it when he had a chance. It wasn't like he had to be interrupted. You know, he could finish seeing a patient, know that I had voxed, listen for 30 seconds, think about it, and then give me an answer right back. 
dramatically changed sort of how I talked about some of the things I'd like to talk to a doctor about. You didn't have to save them for a year. You know, you didn't have to go through voicemail or phone tag hell to have a simple question answered. You could just say it and not worry about it. You know that he would be the one to hear it and he could respond. So, you know, I think that the beauty of what this kind of conversational sort of ability allows is it gives each side of the conversation, the flexibility to determine when's the right time to respond and in what mode do I do it. So for instance, like my wife might vox me and I might be in a meeting. So let's say she's left a 20 second message about one of the kids. I can transcribe it and read a, you know, more or less what she's said. And I might not want to obviously speak in the middle of the meeting, but I can type something back, you know, quickly that says, got it, you know, I'll, I'll pick something up. You know, it allows each side to pick how they want to interact and on, on sort of on their terms, you know, traditional telephony doesn't do that. I ring your phone, your phone rings, you either, either have to decline and it goes to voicemail or you've got to deal with me right now. And, and that was one of the things that we very early set out to break was that, that inefficiency and that interruptiveness of traditional telephony and allow, you know, the users in a group. So I have a group conversation with, you know, a half a dozen really good friends. I leave a message and some might respond immediately. Others could be traveling, you know, they'll pick it up when they do, they chip in when they can. And the conversation goes on. It seems natural, feels great. Everyone's included, but we didn't have to get everyone together at that exact same moment to have the conversation. It allows for a lot of richness that you lose with text, that you lose uh, or you give up on with telephony. I, I mean, I love it. It's it honestly like everything you're saying, it just it resonates so strongly with me. And I, it, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm so grateful, honestly, for the app because it just expanded my ability to have these great conversations so much. So last question is, uh, what are your top three pieces of advice for people to be more effective? And you can interpret that however you like, your time at, you know, being as an entrepreneur and communicating anything. Three ways to be more effective. Uh, and all three, I hope, get to be Voxer things. Um, or, or do you just mean generally? Well, you know, I think if I were to give you the, the, you know, the, the, the Voxer ones, it's, which I guess is the right thing to do, is, you know, think of the people you talk to and think of the permutations of groups that are the most appropriate and then create chats that do those things. So we very at the beginning, you know, you asked me, you know, how would you describe Voxer? And, and I will tell you what I love most. One of the things I love most about it, and um, it, it'll you know, answer sort of one of those things about being effective. So I have two big conversations on Voxer, one for each side, like my dad's side of the family and one for my mom's side of the family. And they've each got kind of 15 to 20 people on them. So aunts and cousins and uncles and you know, when you think about Voxer and you think about like extended family, how often do you talk to your extended family? You know, maybe when you get together for a reunion, you know, maybe on Christmas, you know, or holidays, people call around and say hi. But think about the fact that I can talk to all of my relatives on one side of the family and give them a quick update on the boys and what they're doing for Halloween. And everyone can see it regardless of where they are in the world. Everyone kind of stays up to speed in a way we don't do anymore. Like you just don't see that in this day and age. Uh, and that I think is incredibly powerful. One of the things I love about Voxer. But I think in terms of the, you know, the efficiency, it's 
you know, what I've done is then distilled, you know, those larger conversations down into discrete groups. So it might be my wife and I and my parents who live nearby because we see them a lot and there's coordination and all sorts of things that we do. Slightly larger includes my sister and her husband in Chicago because that's we want the nuclear kind of family. We'd like to keep them, you know, up to speed, but they don't need to hear everything. So, you know, I'd encourage people to think about, you know, what are the different groups that really matter to you? And even if you sort of set up ones that look similar, they all can have a slightly different purpose and you, you use them differently and you use them with different frequency, but they're all incredibly valuable in their own right. So like that to me is one of the things that I think is uh, is great. And I would say, you know, I'd encourage people who who don't, you know, don't always think about like, well, how can I how can I use Voxer in a sort of a sort of simple mundane way? You know, the, my best one is when I go to the grocery store, right? If I'm not sure about something and I have to call my wife and then she has to call me back and then I forget another thing and I call her again, like I go through the aisles and I'm Voxing constantly to say, did you mean this or did you mean that? Right. And it's not interruptive. She can then get back to me as soon as she can. I may have moved on an aisle, but I'll go back. And so, you know, it's, it's that high performance ability to manage multiple conversations all at once, be able to see all of them all at once that I think is really an effective, you know, way to manage. And it can be family, can be teams at work, can be teams, you know, in sort of the, the broader sort of sporting sense can be any number of things. And I think when I, when I, and this was what Tom's original idea was, which was what if I could see on a screen all of the conversations that matter to me and allow me if let's say four of them are active at once to pick the one that matters the most right then and engage on that one. And, you know, that's, I think really interesting is that if you're a CEO and you're using Voxer, you know, you could have three different, you know, direct reports, you know, who want to get your attention. And with telephony, you have to pick one and that, that sort of shuts out all the others. And this was Tom's original problem with with radio uh, communications in the military was that you might be talking to someone that at that moment seemed important, but you don't know that you're missing something even more important on a different channel. And with Voxer, you can kind of watch and say, look, actually, you know what, I'm going to jump in on this one instead. So it allows you to be more uh, you know, proactive, productive, uh, instead of being reactive and, and kind of having to you know, spend more time on overhead than is really necessary. Absolutely amazing. And uh, Andy, thank you so much for your time. Where can people download Voxer and start Voxing? Yep. Thank you so much. Great to be on. Thanks, Ari. Thanks for listening to the Less Doing podcast. At Less Doing, we help entrepreneurs who have opportunity in excess of what their infrastructure can support to set up systems and processes that empower a team to ultimately make themselves more replaceable. That way, they can optimize, automate, and outsource everything in their businesses in order to be more effective. If you want to find out more about Less Doing, the podcast, the blog, the books, and all of the wonderful programs we offer to help you get from where you are to where you know you want to be, go to lessdoing.com slash podcast and check out our OAO blueprint so you can get started today.